Hello and welcome to another episode of the TCT podcast. This week, the editorial team is banging their heads together, literally in this case, as we're sat so close to the microphone in order to avoid the creaky chair from last month's podcast, but metaphorically too, as we discuss the features, talks and exhibits we're most looking forward to during this month's TCT show and TCT Awards. With me, Daniel O'Connor, Head of Content, I have... Laura Griffiths, Deputy Group Editor. And... Sam Davis, Assistant Editor. Some quick facts about TCT show like from this fact. year. Uh, it's hosted over three days, the 25th, the 26th and the 27th of September, for the first time ever without Interplast running alongside it. Uh, it's held in the NEC Birmingham, which is within four hours travel distance of 90% of the UK's population. Also, the International Airport, where there's a free shuttle bus. Shuttle bus or shuttle train? Shuttle train. Shuttle train. <laughs> Serves 140 destinations worldwide. We have over 250 exhibitors showing their wares from generative design software through build and post-processing. We have over 70 speakers covering topics such as transport, healthcare and material innovation. Pre-registration is up 30% on this time last year, meaning it's going to be busy, busy, busy. I'm just going to do a quick name a company quiz, Sam and Laura, and you have to guess the companies that were at 2017's TCT show based on what their sector is. So if I say to you, Sam, name a fast-moving consumer goods company, who Uh, would you say? Unilever. They were at the show in 2017. Laura, if I said to you, name an automotive company. Mercedes. They were at the show in 2017. Sam, what about an aerospace company? Um, Boeing. They were at the show in 2017. Laura, go on, give us another aerospace company. GKN. They were at the show in 2017. Airbus were at the show in 2017. So I could go on for a long time, but I'll choose not to. (laughs) My point has been made. I have gathered Sam and Laura here to talk about some of our personal highlights and we'll start with the conference. As ever, the TCT conference team has done a stellar job in putting together an unrivaled lineup of presentations on design to manufacturing innovations. There are three stages. The conference stage is home to research papers, applications and keynotes. The tech stage aims to bring together technology leaders to solve real-world industry challenges and the TCT introducing stage does exactly what it says on the tin. Sam, do you want to enlighten us on a talk you're particularly looking forward to? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, like you said, um, amazing conference lineup. I think there's eight keynotes over three days. Um, Todd Grimm's there, Airbus are there. Um, and then on the final day, in between some scanning of Blue Whales and Pepsi doing some 3D printing with packaging, there's... Uh, a BMW talk, um, which should be very interesting, judging by your article, and I know it's a bit of a cop out picking that one because you can do most of the heavy lifting on this time. <laughs> um, but BMW, obviously one of the largest automotive companies in the world, early adopter of three D printing, using it for prototyping for probably about thirty years now, um, and they're doing lots of good work in plastics and in metal. Um, Good examples of mass customization with the uh, mini components in the interiors of cars, uh, and obviously the um, metal component, uh, which was the uh, fixture in the i8 Roadster that you mentioned in your article, um, being a good example of mass production. So I think 
That'll be a good uh, keynote on the last day. And who is it doing the talk? It is Dominic Reitzel, who is the head of BMW's additive manufacturing division, and that is on Thursday, 27th September, 11am. As we know, I'm a big fan of that BMW story. I think <laughs> yeah. um, my favourite bit that came out of that was that uh, Hans Langer basically started EOS by saying to BMW, what do you want out of a 3D printer? Mm-hmm. They told him and he went away and built one. Instead of um, trying to sell a 3D printer yeah. to them that he'd already built, he built one on spec for them. Yeah. And I think at the time they already had something like 50 engineers and that was in the 80s mm. working on additive manufacturing. So they've always been at the forefront. Yeah. And that's something that I don't know whether, you know, that's been the case throughout kind of the history of 3D printing, but certainly now you'll see a lot of companies who are, or a lot of vendors who are developing machines will um, be doing so in line with, you know, industry. Um, Bello 3D being a very recent example of that. Spent four years talking to automotive and aerospace companies and then launch a machine. And I think three companies have already been using that for 12 months now. So that is, you know... Hans Langer was doing it 30 years ago, but I think every company is definitely doing it now. And of course, we've got a couple of those applications highlighted in the TTT Awards this year as well, haven't we? Which I'm sure we'll discuss a little we, bit later. We have. We'll come on to that later on, Laura. <laughs> <clears throat> Laura, do you want to give me one of your favourite uh, talks from this year? Yes. So this year, I'm very much looking forward to the third 3D talk panel session at TCT Show. It's the second one at TCT Show. We did another one at Rapid Plus TCT this year. Um, but this time, it's going to be on factories of the future and additive manufacturing in the smart factory and just to kind of a brief overview of what 3d talk is it was an event series that was co-founded by women in 3d printing and science and which basically aims to highlight all the women in our industry and bring together different topics whether it's things like software materials um as I said, this year we're focusing on factories of the future. Um, and this year we have speakers from GE Additive, um, the Manufacturing Technology Centre and also LPW as well. So we've got quite a good variation of speakers um, and all from completely different sort of perspectives too. So we've got um, GE Additive who have got the um, kind of M-Line factory, which is a modular machine um, designed for the factory of the future, which I'm really interested to hear talk more about. Um, and LPW as well pretty much have their own smart factory at the minute. So they're additive manufacturing materials factory which opened earlier this year and that is pretty much just full of smart features so all these various bits of connectivity and analysis and it's just all really really great so there's going to be some brilliant insight from that there and also uh, the MTC as well um, we'd obviously um, covered the MTC so much um, in the magazine over the last year but um, the most recent thing that I went to which kind of half inspired this a little bit and um, was that they were um, doing things with um, modular kind of factory floors and kind of these virtual factory environments which I think is going to be really interesting for um, factories of the future so yeah really looking forward to this um, it's going to take place on the um, TCT tech, um, tech stage on day two so it's the 26th of September from 3pm so really just want to invite um, anyone to come down to that and of course to ask your questions as well there's going to be um, time for a bit of networking at the end too so it's a, it's a really really important event for us and of course LBW being based in Witness your hometown Laura are you happy about that? <laughs> thanks very much for bringing that one up yes yes uh, <laughs> I will be very happy it was very difficult not to uh, not to come back from that visit for a lot of lot of emotional hometown pride uh, but yeah it's, it's going to be it's going to be a nice one um, yeah really looking forward to it on a slightly more serious note, Laura, do you just want to explain to me why it's important that we have these kind of panel sessions from women in 3D printing and science? 
Uh, why is it that we, what's important about having an exclusively female uh, panel session? Well, Women in 3D Printing and Cyan put these events on um, all over the globe and bringing together women from completely different areas of the industry. Um, but I think that it is, it's important to, to have these panel sessions and I really want to point out uh, now that it's it's never about here's a bunch of women that we're shoving together on a panel session because isn't that great to tick off a box because they're all talking about 3D printing. It's really not about that. It's about getting experts together to discuss you know a really relevant topic in the industry. You know, last year we had people talking about materials and you know I I really enjoyed just being part of that discussion because it highlighted so many important things and I think again just to just to have that um that platform where you're not getting asked the typical questions of you know like what's it like to be a woman in the industry but rather just getting asked technical questions and about your experience I just think that's a really really important thing and that's what women in 3d printing is all about with these events and also just just the the um even the interviews that they cover on their website and the different articles that kind of thing it's all just about raising the the platform of women in the industry so I'm just glad that uh, TCT can uh, of course be a part of that and LPW who I've mentioned twice now but they're a, a, a good example of how you integrate diversity into the manufacturing LPW have got um you know they've got a really great um, gender balance in the in their company and um this year we could potentially be having one of the young um, apprentices um, talking on the panel session which I think is going to be really really great um because it's obviously someone who's you know chosen to start a career at this really really modern manufacturing company um and you know it's just it's it's just as you said you know they're a really they're a really great example of promoting how you know open these roles and these different sort of industries can actually be. Can you just talk to me a little bit about what a factory of the future looks like and what the importance of these technologies are? Yeah. Um, well, there's various elements to the factory of the future, I guess, and a lot of these different companies are kind of coming out with their own versions of it. People, I'm sure, will remember from Formnext a couple of years back, pretty much everyone was talking about factory of the future, and that can mean different things, like whether it's modular machines, so you're bringing together things like the, um, the pre-processing and the actual manufacturing side, then the post-processing side, they're bringing all that together in sort of an automated way. It's also about things like robotics as well, and again, automating the process, so it's a lot more um, lean and streamlined. Um, there's various other things too, like um, like the connectivity and the importance of, of intelligent software and really um, tracking that um, that manufacturing process all the way from you know the design element to when it eventually gets gets sent off. There's always different elements now that that are coming in with the smart factory, and there are great companies now like for example um, you know LPW themselves. They've got a lot of smart features for things like their powder eye, powder trace, all analytics for making sure that um, they can fully trace. Um, additive manufacturing powder and then companies like like Trump as well who have their own smart manufacturing uh, facility now in Chicago I think um, and that's combining all these different machine technologies but they're all very very much um, connected by this um, kind of intelligent um, sort of interface that looks after the whole thing and it's just all very it's it, it just I think that's a really good example, actually, because it, it's a good sort of vision of what these factors of the future might might actually look like. You know, manufacturing is changing and it's not necessarily all just these, you know, scruffy, like male dominated manufacturing environments. They're going to be these clean, smart and very well maintained facilities that people are actually going to want to start careers. In. And I just think this is going to be a really good topic to, to mm -hmm. highlight that that change. Talking of the future of manufacturing and uh, what what it's going to look like going forward. My highlight for the TCT programme this year 
is actually the TCT Hall of Fame panel session. And although that is very much looking at the past, it is aiming to inspire the future. Uh, listeners to the podcast will be aware of the three inductees to this year's TCT Hall of Fame, Professor Emmanuel Sachs, Greg Morris and Dr. Carl Dacard. They'll receive their nods during the gala dinner at the TCT Awards that evening, which is the 26th of September. But prior to that, they'll be joining me on stage for a panel session on how additive manufacturing's past can help to shape our future. Uh, the talk is at 11 a.m. on the main stage on the 26th of September. Uh, it's after Dave Burns opening the morning session with his keynote on life in the fast lane, the frills and spills of startups in manufacturing technology. I think that panel session with these three industry stalwarts is the perfect follow-up to that talk. Uh, Carl Deckard in particular has got some thrilling and spilling stories that he'll, I'm sure he'll want to get off his chest. But I want personally, I want to steer the panel session more towards manufacturing technologies. Um, it's safe to say that last year's inductees, including Chuck Hall and Scott Crump, were focused more on the prototyping side of things and trying to accelerate the prototyping um, technologies that they'd found really, really frustrating in the past. Mm-hmm. But with somebody like Greg Morris, who's a catalyst behind the Leap Fuel nozzle, and Ellie Sachs, a co-founder of Desktop Metal, and Carl, who's technology BMW, who Sam mentioned earlier, are using to make those cockpit fasciers. I think we've got a fantastic scope to explore the topic of the future of manufacturing with those three people. Um, I say that to personal highlight. I'm absolutely dreading it. <laughs> uh, I've got to sit in between them all and try and hold it together in comparison to people who've got what probably combined over 100 years experience with my versus my five (laughs) so can you tell us what you'll be asking them i can tell you basically that one of the first questions that i've got is kind of based on the back of the podcasts and the back of the interviews that we did with them is about what it was that they saw in i think it was somebody like carl dackard he saw CAD technology and he wanted a way to unambiguously take a CAD model from a computer and have a physical object of it. Mm-hmm. He wasn't thinking about speeding up the prototyping process, he was just thinking of engineering. Yeah. And Ellie Sachs has also said he was after engineering grade materials. So that one of the first questions for instance I think is going to be about um, what was it that made them pursue engineering grade materials as opposed to materials that are available. So stereolithography technologies with the acrylate resins they had and the thermoplastics that were involved in the early Stratasys printers. Uh, I think it's a really interesting basis to start the conversation on why they chose that material. And also, because we've got two inventors and a user in that group, it's interesting to get their opinions and then take Greg's on what he was using early doors. Because mm-hmm. Greg started that service bureau, Morris Technologies, in the mid mid to early 90s. And I think he, although people just... Those that know him and know of him think of him as more of a pioneer of the metal 3D printing side. I think he's quite interesting because Morris Technologies didn't take up metal 3D printing for a good 10 years into the... Originally, they were doing prototypes, particularly for GE, actually, uh, with plastic resins. I'd like to move on to the show floor and some of our highlights from that. Uh, The TCT 2018 show floor is jam-packed with exhibitors and something Laura touched on in her talk on that panel session is how we're gaming up towards industry 4.0 and companies represented on the show floor certainly reflect that. Um, Sam, mm-hmm. why don't you kick us off with some of your highlights in hardware that we can see over those three days? Okay, um, well obviously there's going to be tons and tons of different machines 
Um, so I've just picked out a few um, that are kind of debuting new machines in this country at least. Um, first is Trump, who are um, bringing the TruePrint 3000, which is medium-sized machine for them. They've got a 1000 and 5000 either side of that. Um, it's a powder bed fusion, 300 by 400 millimeter build volume. Um, it's supported by Siemens NX, got a 500 watt laser source. Um, and it's one of those machines that you can remove the um, powder supply cylinder while the actual build process is going on um, for obviously increased productivity. Um, prints in stainless steel, aluminium, titanium. Um, so they'll be there. I imagine there'll be loads of different sort of aerospace and automotive components. I'm pretty sure that's the, the stand as well. biggest booth so far as well at like TCT shows. Yeah, I think there's about three or four that have got the same size. Yeah. Um, I think there's some who are claiming uh, on social media to be the biggest stand and... Uh, they're not. This well, is the biggest stand <coughs> for them. <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, so they'll, they'll be on stand N44 anyway. And then... Um, uh, a lot smaller than that, there's um, Ultimaker who are bringing the S5, which is their largest machine that they've ever done. Um, and I think that's quite an important um, development for them because although the machine is essentially just a bigger and more robust and maybe you know a little bit better in terms of the specs, it, it's a good visual representation of sort of their growth over the years, um, coming from you know a pretty much consumer technology when they formed about six or seven years ago to now being a viable industrial option. Um, obviously, the jigs and fixtures um, case studies are well publicised with Volkswagen and uh, Jable this year. Um, but this machine is um, obviously the, the biggest to date. They could feasibly print you know larger parts than just jigs and fixtures and actual end use. Um, they've got partnerships with the likes of BASF and DuPont and Clarion. So when I was speaking to John Koala back in April um, at the Rapid Plus TCT show, uh, he was saying that the new machine is more suited to custom parts and one-offs and spare parts, um, and at its price range, which I think is around $6,000, it's quite a cheap starting point for SMEs in particular who can maybe take on one or two, and then if it's successful, get to the point where they have you know, a farm of these printers um, with, you know, 9 or 12. Um, another... Uh, Sorry, Sam, just to stop you there on that on. Ultimaker, yeah. I think it's really interesting to see... It's really interesting to see where they've come from because one of my first ever visits mm-hmm. <coughs> outside of um, outside of the UK for TCT magazine was I did some kind of, like, tour of the Lowlands... And I went round and visited a few companies uh, in that region. 3D Hubs were one of them. Uh, Felix Printers were another one. I went to see Materialize in Belgium. But one of the companies I did go and see was Ultimaker. uh, And they were based in Utrecht at the time. And it was like a farm facility. Mm -hmm. Let me talk about about farms. This was a farming facility. It was in the middle of the countryside. Notoriously flat land around there. And they were building these machines. And I think at the time, um, they probably hadn't even launched the Ultimaker 2 yet. They were gearing up to launch that at the, TC, the next TCT show. Mm. And to see that company, I mean, bearing in mind, I saw a few companies in that time period. To see the company of Ultimaker building those wooden printers, <laughs> development to the company that they are now mm. is quite phenomenal. And <clears throat> what I quite like about them 
is they've always been represented at TCT show and they launched the Untermaker 2 at TCT show and we've always seen we've just seen their progression we've seen their rise throughout the years they've kind of grown in tandem with my career so I've always liked them from the start <laughs> Uh, what else? Sorry, Sam. Um, well, yeah, before you ruined my perfect segue there. Um, ah, sorry, Sam. <laughs> Stratus has launched uh, one of their many machines at uh, Rapid. I think they launched about nine. Um, but they're actually bringing one to TCT Show, which is the Fortus 380, um, which is uh, the, the carbon fibre edition, which has been optimised for printing in carbon fibre materials. Um, and that'll be running live at the uh, on the show floor. Um, and I think, yeah, they said in the, in the in a recent press release that they're encouraged by the U.S. Department of Energy and, uh, excuse my pronunciation, Team Pensk, the racing, okay, yeah. racing team, um, to, to bring this machine to market that was, you know, specially designed for this material. Um, and Visual First, who are a Dutch service bureau, have been using machine recently, replacing metal parts with FDM nylon 12 uh, components um, and their costs are down 60%, lead time 75%. Um, and it, it basically shows strategists who have been saying for a while now that one size doesn't fit all, you need you know certain machines for certain applications or suited to certain materials. Um, so that'll be a good one to see there. I imagine they'll have um, some parts as well on the stand, which is H36, if you want to go and check that out. Don't I don't know whether anybody has anything to add to that before I name drop a few others. Yeah, I think it's interesting, as you say, that we're starting to see this approach of um, a machine specifically for a material. Yeah. Um, I suppose if you're a company and you specifically want to print in composites, mm -hmm. you want to solely manufacture in composites, you don't really care about a machine that can print 70 different materials. You just want that raw material and you want it to work well. Yeah. To have a machine that's bespoke to that is probably really important to you and it's interesting to see this kind of strategy because especially from somebody like Stratus who have got the Connex machines which are for multi-material platforms it's interesting to see this kind of one size does not fit all approach you yeah know what I mean? mm -hmm. <clears throat> uh, yeah so a few of us who have got some um, machines on their stands um, Amaki um, via hybrid services on stand R16 it's the UK launch of its uh, full colour machine, um, offers 10 million colours, fine resolutions, large build volume. Uh, Form Labs on F26 have got the Fuse One Benchtop SLS platform. 3D Systems on Standard 26 got the Figure 4. Uh, and then 3D Verkstan, I believe that's how you pronounce it, have got the Olsen Ruby High Temp Nozzle, which is obviously nominated for one of the TCT awards, and I think you covered it recently in one of the issues of the mag uh, and then G additive will be there uh, HPL lab machines on Europac stand dust and metal lab machines on the laser line stand mark forged SLM solutions Arberg add up and an interesting one I noticed before is uh, black art 3d came for section oh, okay. last year I didn't realize that it escaped my notice that they began selling machines so there are three variations on their website and uh, additive industries will be there too I think of those, one I think people will be really interested in is Mimaki. Um, I saw that machine at the show that is now going to be TCT Japan going forward from 2019 mm -hmm. in February this year. And I know that it was at Form Next, but there were so many machines and so many technologies that I didn't get to see, get around to see it. Yeah. And when I did see it, 
you know, from a distance and from the website, I just think, oh, colour 3D printing, mm. we've kind of been there, done that. But then seeing it up close and personal, I thought, oh, wow, these models are absolutely amazing. Mm. And a question I had for them when I first saw the models was, uh, what? how are you finishing these? Like, what, what are you polishing them with? Because yeah. they look fantastic. And they showed me with the relatively little grasp of English. I think that we've got their English representatives there, but they showed me <laughs> the post-processing, which was just dumping it in some water, yeah. in some salt water, and it came out this part, and it was remarkable. Like, the finished quality of it is amazing, and I think... How long is it in the water for? Uh, a couple of hours, I think. Okay. It's just a soluble material. And I think that, <clears throat> although that we have seen these full-colour prints before, and we have said that perhaps they're not, anything more than display models or colour prototypes, they're, the amount of colour, amount of detail they're getting into their models is absolutely amazing. 10 million colours apparently. I saw some examples, I think it was at AMOG earlier this year, and I was just so impressed by it, and I did the same as you, they asked about the post-processing, because I thought, there's no way that just comes and looks that good, but I've never seen models like it, and I think with full colour sometimes, I know that we talked about this a few years back on the version one of the TCT podcast what we are now version five mm -hmm. um but yeah I just sometimes people are a bit sort of skeptical about full color is it really full color but that's probably the closest to full color I've, I've ever seen they're really really impressive parts I'm looking forward to seeing that in the UK and hardware obviously is nothing without the materials mm -hmm. uh, that go with it and we've touched on the fact that Stratus have got a materials based machine uh, but Laura, you've got, I believe, some of the materials highlights from the show floor for us. Yeah. So um, there's a lot more. I say there's a lot more machine launches and debuts than there are on the materials side. But you know, we are covering the entire design to manufacturing spectrum and materials. As you said, are just as important as the hardware. And people are becoming much more interested in developing materials. I feel it used to be such a like you know people are much more interested in like shiny new hardware they don't really think as much about materials but one of the um, biggest ones on the show floor for us this year would be BASF um one of the world's biggest materials companies um exhibiting at TCT show for the first time um, so I think the presence of big companies like this uh, added to manufacturing events just really shows the commitment of these like massive chemical giants that they're making with added to manufacturing. You know, just recently we've seen that the ASF have invested $25 million into Materialize to focus on materials and software optimization, which is a, a huge thing. And Sam covered it in, in the magazine most recently, um, which should be able to, um, I'm sure copies will be landing very, very soon. Um, and, you know, they've I've already developed materials based, for, based on powder-based technologies for the likes of um, EOS, HP, Farsoon, and they're also concentrating on extrusion-based technologies as well through partnerships with the likes of um, Ascension Materials. Um, so that, that's a huge one to have on the show floor. And then also um, a TCT show regular DSM uh, exhibiting with Europac 3D this year. Um, Europac who have pretty much got every box of design to manufacturing ticked on their stand this year. They've got scanners, printers, software. Um, but they've announced this partnership with DSM they're one of the largest manufacturers of materials uh, for of manufacturing, which if you remember last year, um, they kind of brought the Somos AM brand under the, this new DSM additive manufacturing um, business. So you've now got um, the Somos materials, which are for SLA and um, kind of under one umbrella, and then you've got like extrusion-based technologies as well. Um, so Europe are going to have a range of um, SLA material examples on hand, which they're going to be showing um, alongside Union Tech machines, which are open source, um, and I think they're going to be showing things that have been printed um, on those machines so that's pretty cool as well to have that that hardware there um i'm just going to kind of run through a few different as i said there's not a lot of like um 
major launches but it's, it's just I think it's important to show the diversity of materials at the show because whether you're looking for polymers metals and if that's in resin former or filaments or powders you will pretty much find it at TCT show and um, we've got um, filament manufacturers like um, Colour Fab who last year printed me some very very nice jewellery for the TCT awards and I'm hoping to get some again this year um, in the <laughs> in the engine looks material um and similarly, we've got um, Filamentum Industrial, who recently introduced um, a new colour to the Vertigo range of PLA, which um, I kind of had this really um, nice um, sort of shiny, glittery feel to it. So, you know, I'll, I'll take stuff from that as well. Um, really keen to, to bag some samples of that this year on the show floor. Um, other companies, well, like, like Rigid Ink, who've got over 13 different material types. Again, um, filaments. And apparently they're going to be offering um, a slightly unusual but very special free gift this year, which I've noticed today. So I'm, I'm kind of interested into what that is on all you people that normally come to trade shows to get your freebies. That's <laughs> where you need to be. Um, and also um, we've got Polymaker as well, which again, they're... They're another big materials company. And um, I wanted to mention Polymaker because um, they were part of the XEV um, world's first 3D printed car. I've just done air quotations, <laughs> which no one can see, but just so you know, they were there, um, which has been shortlisted um, in the TCT Awards this year. So they use the, um, the industrial materials and also vacuum lamination process to produce these 57 um, plastic parts for a um, almost entirely 3D printed um, two-seater vehicle. Um, and if you look at these parts, they just they don't look 3D printed. There's no there's no sort of evidence of, of lines because of this lamination process. And all of these were printed in three days. So I just think that's a really good example of these um, industrial filaments being being used for a proper end use application. Um, a few others on the metal side, we've mentioned LPW a lot already, but they are a metal powder producer and um, visited the AM materials factory earlier this year. Um, and it's not just materials them themselves, as I mentioned before, but also the smart features that come with it. So the things like the smart hoppers, which kind of monitor um, material usage and, um, you know, make sure that it's kind of going to the right people and it's all sort of, um, it's, it's, also kept track of along the way and the powder eye powder trays all these different things and um, to ensure material quality we've got Samvik who've been producing powders for over 20 years with different alloys and like stainless steels nickel and um, cobalt tool steels all this um, various types of materials and of course GE additives and um, AP and C business as well and um, which focuses on titanium and nickel alloys using its proprietary and um, advanced plasma atomization process and just one more quickly before I pass it on <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've mentioned every material on the floor here. Um, another company is called um, Nano. Um, they're launching um, a new filament for, well, they said for ceramic filament manufacturing and also metal filament manufacturing. And this is called um, Zetamix. Um, so it's a filament which is made up of 50% 50, 50 um, polymer and then also um, the rest is either ceramic or metal powders. Um, so of course you have to undergo like your um, divine and then sintering process as well. So um, we have to wait and see what this is like on the show floor, but this is a brand new to TCT show. Um, so we'll have to wait and see, um, but they've been around, around in the industry now specialising in ready-to-sinter nanopowders for ceramics for a decade, um, and they're saying that it's, it's really going to help users um, have a more affordable way of making ceramic parts. And it's interesting that there's a bit of a join-up between something Sam said at the end and something you said at the end of uh, the 3D Verkstand Ruby Olsen nozzle. It's the mm -hmm. kind of nozzle you'd need for that kind of material. Yeah, right. And it's interesting too, <clears throat> if I was... I go to TCT show as a journalist and as a member of the TCT editorial team. Mm -hmm. But I think if I was going as an SME to really just explore the technologies for the first time, mm -hmm. it's it'd be nice to find somewhere 
a resource, which I hope is our magazine, uh, where you know you can join these dots together. So yeah. you might not necessarily know that that nano. Well, at a trade show, you can go and speak to them, and they'll say, "Well, actually, you go and get a Ruby Olson nozzle. You print with mm -hmm. it that, and that Ruby Olson nozzle fits on an E3D tool head, yeah. and that E3D tool head fits on a Voltmaker printer." Or, and there are these nice things you can do at a trade show that you can't do at a website, yeah. or you can't do with some marketing material. But so I think that's a really big benefit to anybody wanting to start out with additive manufacturing is to come to a trade show. Yeah, yeah. and I think now as well, people are much more. Um, much more likely to actually go and tell you where to find these things. Mm -hmm. It's not closed off. I think people are much more open and, you know, as you said, TCT is a good place to really join the dots between hardware, um, materials and software, funnily yeah. enough. Further to that point, I don't know if Laura mentioned it in that huge list of materials companies, but <laughs> um, obviously I referred earlier to the uh, famous Volkswagen and Ultimaker case study and Phil Kemp are the developer of the material used mm -hmm. in that case study and they're also at the show. Nice. Well, Samson is I ruined your segue, you ruined Laura's segue there. Yeah. So uh <laughs> so we'll so just go into yeah. so who's gonna ruin my segue into my next thing oh, if hi. I've been so organized to prepare one. <clears throat> but so the final trifecta is obviously we've done hardware, we've done materials, it's probably software. Um and Laura hopefully has written a really nice piece on all the best softwares to see at the show. Uh, and it's an interesting year and a buzzword that I've noticed in the world of manufacturing for software is blockchain. Um, one particular supplier of the software is Link3D. He'll be demonstrating this product planning system uh, 2.0 at stand E35. But interestingly, I've been... I was just going to say, funnily enough, you mentioned blockchain and that's something that I actually want to talk about a little bit in the factory of the future stuff as well because you know blockchain is something that we hear an awful lot about now and so in terms of it was made for cryptocurrencies and that's what we're mainly used to hearing about it in but whether the industry is actually at a point now where we need these advanced technologies like this and I think we probably are but I'm interested to hear what people's thoughts are on that they're actually using the technology sorry go ahead it's all right you have ruined my segue <laughs> as promised Laura um but because the thing with blockchain is that I hear that phrase and um, I've been asking for one sentence explainers to it for a while and I've seen a few and I still don't understand them. Um, I can't wrap my head around it and it was said in the office a few days ago though that uh, I'm getting old now and when I said I didn't really understand what GitHub was. Uh, so, so as not to feel that old, I did some research on blockchain and an explanation I most liked was that it's a uh, shared unalterable record book mm -hmm. that lives in the cloud uh, and it's apt that in the world of 3D printing um, especially when it comes into the sharing of IP and digital files uh, a blockchain solution will be the way to ref verify ownership of something digital even if there are identical copies so designers no longer get their files nicked companies can share files without the worry of IP theft <clears throat> and another thing that's interesting is that Bitcoin and consumer 3D printing shared the similar hype trend in the early 2010s. Uh, they were a big deal when we were going to CES in Las Vegas, both of them. And it's interesting to see that the technology powering Bitcoin in blockchain is helping solving one of 3D printing's biggest problems. It's a nice, like, I don't think it was ever intended that way, yeah. but it's nice to see. It'll be interesting to find out from Link3D what their motivation was for this technology. Is it a case of they know of people in the industry who need it or are they sort of trying to get ahead of the curve? 
I, I mean, I think it's something the industry's been crying out for for a long time, specifically when it comes to the IP of files. Mm. Um, the example that I actually saw was on this website the, where I liked the explainer was that if you had the MP3 of Madonna's Like a Prayer and you were the first person to have it mm. and you were sharing it, then a the blockchain technology would allow you to be, be traced as the original supplier. Mm. So if you're a designer and you've got a file, uh, and I'm not sure, to be honest, if this is how Link3D are applying it, but I thought, well, this is quite interesting that if you're a um, designer and you're worried about the theft of your files online, which I know a lot of people are, are dizzing off in particular, is uh, always going on about how people are 3D printing these files. It'd be nice to have some kind of traceability of who's got your file when, and there's only a certain amount of times. And like a currency almost, you can say, well, it's a good way to add value onto a design. If you said there are 50 of these designs rather than there are 10,000 designs, and then it, once it's gone, it's gone, mm -hmm. then blockchain would allow you to actually implement that. Well, I think that's one of the things that, well, that's why Link3D are kind of proposing that the software would be um, beneficial to places like service bureaus because the people are mm -hmm. obviously uploading their parts. They want to make sure that that, that's protected and it's not if you want it only want someone to print it 10 times it is only printed 10 times and that way it just it, it can't be lost or altered and um yeah i think there's probably going to be a lot of, of use cases for that as the industry progresses some of the other software highlights include materializes e-stage for metal 3d printing mm -hmm. uh, which if you know anything about the preparation of files for metal 3d printing and the support generation there within mm -hmm. uh could be a big step change and that's another thing know that we're going to touch on it later it's another project that has been nominated for a tct award and i've made the shortlist certainly um europac who we seem to be mentioning quite a lot i've got uh, an end-to-end -end workflow with siemens nx at 3d printing uh polygonica who won the software award at last year's tct awards mm -hmm. i've got a new feature for handling scan data and point cloud which is important especially when we talk about this complete work designed to manufacturing workflow especially within reverse engineering. We've got 3 Your Mind software, uh, which helps screen parts for 3D printing, uh, and AMFG, who are a new company. I think this is their first show. Yeah. Uh, they're debuting at the technology here, which is they're leveraging artificial intelligence to automate the additive manufacturing process, mm -hmm. um, which is something, is a theme that we are keep on coming back to, yeah. is automation of the technologies. And I kind of think it's something that, that rounds up quite nicely and the, the automation is massively important to this industry because if we want to make these factories of the future and in this current climate of um, trade negotiations and things like that, if manufacturing is to be implemented in regions, mm -hmm. now it needs to have an automated process because simply because we haven't got the skills. Mm -hmm. I don't think any country in the world has got the manufacturing skills to fully leverage this technology anymore um on the skills gap though nice <laughs> one other feature that we have at tct show that's been running for a number of years is yeah. uh, inspired minds i think sam is the man for this is the man basically means has a tct show website up on his laptop <laughs> and it's gonna drop a few lines on it um yeah it's um sort of set up in partnership with create education um delivers training for around 300 students um, in the sort of year 9 to 11, which is 14 to 16 years old, that kind of age grouping. Um, and it basically works. They, they spend some time in the classroom learning about um, 
3D printing technology, how to design for it. Um, I think there's some parts printed on out uh, later in the day. Um, and then they do a tour around the show floor, dropping by a number of stands, um, and then out the exit. Uh, and Autodesk and uh, Bloodhound Education are also partnering this year as well. Um, and if you know anything about Bloodhound, you'll know that children are going to love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, yeah. think, I think the kids this year are going to have the chance to design a part for the Bloodhound. Oh, okay. the Bloodhound are the driving force behind the design of what the part is, and I think they're going to be able to, rather than just designing, say, a a pencil case. Yeah. I don't know why pencil case <laughs> came to my mind there. Or rather than just designing a trinket that they're going to go with, they're going to be able to, you know, think outside of the box and design something for a car. I'm not saying it's going to go on the Bloodhound. No. It will help them understand that it's a, it's an industrial technology. It's a manufacturing technology yeah. rather than a 3D printer for the home. Mm-hmm. And it's and another thing is that I think they're being printed on Ultimakers as well, so that brings us back around nicely to yep. what you were talking about on the show floor. I did. I, I remember in my first year of TCT, I was actually sent to take part in an Inspired Minds classroom as a 24-year-old <laughs> um, student. But you know what? It was actually it was a really good place to kind of just get started because I had never actually just... Um, put, got my hands on any kind of design software. I, I, I hadn't used a 3D printer at this point. But, you know, to think that, like, there's going to be, um, you know, that's a place where these students can actually come and just try this technology for the first time. I think it's a really, really useful starting point. And you know, I think with the with the Bloodhound involvement too, it's going to be really interesting to see some of the things that, that they come up with. And hopefully one day those children will be winning a TCT award, which brings me back around to our final topic of discussion for this podcast uh, which is the TTT Awards held in the Hilton Birmingham Metropole on the 26th of September after the show. So I just want to have a quick look at some of the 2018 finalists and their categories. Um, it'd be interesting to see, Laura, is there anything that particularly jumps out to you uh, with the TCT Awards? Yeah well um, you know we've got categories for just about every um, sector of the industry but the aerospace one is one that I just want to, to point out because um Aerospace accounts for roughly 20% of the additive manufacturing market according to like most recent reports and, and one of the ones that I want to uh, highlight is um, the Airbus and Materialize Overhead Spacer Panels project which is actually going to be one of the keynote sessions this year, I think it's on day one. Yep. Um, but basically um, the two partners together to, to develop um, the first 3D printed um, customer visible parts approved for use in um, an Airbus commercial aircraft. Um, so these spacer panels um, have achieved like a 15% reduction um, in, in part weight. Um, and I actually, um, I, I spoke to the team um, a while back about this, just about the importance of um, using 3D printing in um, like part replacement in, in aircraft and also just um, reducing weight and reducing material use, things like that. Um, and I just think this is a really um, good example of something that's actually going to be used um, in an aeroplane that people are actually going to be able to see. We hear so much about these applications on planes, um, you know, these canny brackets that, are, you know, it's, it's really, um, they've got really useful applications in the fact that they're saving weight and therefore saving energy and money. Um, but the public don't really ever get to see them, what this is actually going to be used. Um, in a cabin part so um, for me that that's a, a really nice application example for the aerospace industry. I think there is another aerospace application as well in uh, the TCT Metrology Award which is uh, an aircraft damage assessment which is a partnership I think between 3D Systems and EasyJet yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think that's another one that's you know it's just showing that this te- these technologies work throughout the process these aren't particularly additive manufactured technologies but these are 
technologies that are being applied to make our lives better, to make our journey safer, um, and to make flight and air travel more affordable, better for the environment. And I think that it's really interesting. There's a lot of interesting areas of that. Um, Sam, what's what stands out to you at the TC Awards? The the industrial product application award. There's quite a few um, nominees in there that we've actually covered. Um, I think uh, the Salad Tech and Automaker Partnership, which was in point four, maybe if my memory's right, um, and Automaker and Jable, as we've already mentioned. Um, but I quite like the look of the roller train bearing cages, which were uh, developed by Bowman Additive Production with a HP machine for John Hanley bearings. Um, and this is a device that manages motion and reduces friction between moving parts in machinery. Uh, and Bowman uh, were actually the first company in the UK to print in uh, PA11 on the HP machine. Um, and they've <clears throat> sort of optimised the design so they can add up to four more rolling um, elements in the uh, device. Uh, they reckon there's a 70% increase in load-bearing capacity and increased working life of 500%, um, equal strength in X, Y, and Z. Um, so it seems quite an impressive and truly industrial uh, application there. I'm particularly interested this year in the TCT Consumer Product Application Award. Um, last year, I think Carbon picked up that award for the Future Crest Trainer. Uh, this year, they're nominated again uh, with the Vitamix Nozzle which I hotly debated whether it should be in that category or whether it should be industrial. It's ended up in consumer. Um, there is also the luxury faucets, which are designed by Callista and the Tech Leaders 3D Systems. There's the IKEA hands, which are really interesting um, developments in terms of IKEA using HP's 3D printing technologies to actually 3D print these designs that were sold out within their first week of going on sale. Uh, there's also a bike, fake, bike frame, but my particular favourite in that is something that Sam touched on earlier um, when he mentioned this, what the highlight for the keynote was, and that's the mini yours customised uh, cockpit fascia. Uh, there are many reasons that I like this, and I know that some of the TCT expert advisory board have been a little bit maybe sniffy about a product that is just doing something that we've always done, but I think that's the point. I think the point is that BMW have picked the market that exists and they're tapping into that market. Um, I think in the article that I wrote, it mentioned that the um, the DVLA in the UK alone get millions of pounds just simply from regist personalised registration plates. And what the cockpit fascia allows you to do is it allows you to design on an app um, what you want that to be. Uh, there is a blacklist, though, of brand names and offensive words and stuff like that that BMW have created themselves. Um, and it, that was a really interesting conversation I had with Dominic while I was there about that blacklist that they had to create. Obviously, if you uh, go into 3D print something on a BMW Mini and you want to personalise it, you can't put Mercedes or Audi on it. They don't, they don't want that all over Instagram. <laughs> um, and also, they can't affect brand names. So if you try to go on there and put TCT in, I'm honoured to the fact that they consider us enough of a brand name to ban, ban, ban that. But like, it isn't just this uh, piece of plastic that goes onto a car, like, for instance, what Shapeway were doing with phone cases 10 years ago, something like that. 
the amount of testing that's gone into this because it's in the inside of a car, it can't break and the shrapnel can't hit people. They've had to test for that. They've had to test that it matches BMW's very strict standards in terms of colours, in terms of finishing. Um, they've also had to adhere to German data laws. And so it means that they don't know who the customer is that gets these cockpit flashes just in case they criticise them and then there's a conflict of interests. Uh, the the process that they've implemented around these are just amazing and to be honest there is to me very few true applications of consumer 3d printing out there and this is really one of them because it uses an app you don't really care as a user what the technology designs it you just think oh i can personalize my car mm -hmm. uh, and yeah i think it's a really worthy finalist for this category Laura, do you have anything to add? I think we should just round up all the details for people on the show. Go on then, let's do that. So, a TCT show takes place on the 25th to the 27th of September. Um, it takes place at the NEC Birmingham. As Dan explained at the start, there's lots of ways for you to get there. Um, it is free entry. You can register at tctshow.com. And in the next few weeks, we'll be putting up um, plenty of lists and guides to all the different things that you can see at the show. We've already put up hardware and software so far, but um, keep a lookout for different things like metrology and post-processing and um, materials as well at tct magazine. Dot com.